This podcast features adults using adult language, but you know, you gotta grow up sometime. to just cool it down rein it in girl like i know being a 15 year old girl involves that, a lot of hormones that magnetism my god callie why did the directors not pull her aside and say you're doing a great job stacy this this man is let's try a different approach <laughs> i don't think the directors were paying attention to anything ever during swan's crossing That's ever probably, i didn't hear the i didn't hear the metronome so i assumed That's, we weren't recording yet it's because i I got sneaky this time when I turned off the metronome oh, before nice. we could do it. Nice. Okay. But yeah, we're recording now. Hi, okay. everyone. Welcome to Gotta Grow Up Suntime, a Swan's Crossing retrospective. I'm Libby Grant. I'm Nathan Kessler Jeffrey. You guys, we survived a heat wave. It was insane oh. here. And I know that people in the South, because I used to live in Texas, and I know people in the South are going to be like, it got to 100 degrees. What are you complaining about? No one here has air conditioning. No. And none. it's miserable. It was so bad. It was, it was so, so bad. bad. It was like my house managed to stay slightly cooler than the outside up until about two in the afternoon every day. And then like the heat caught up and then my house trapped 98 degrees of heat until three in the morning. Well, <laughs> every night. two years ago, because I'm from the Midwest, two years ago, I insisted that we buy a window AC. Oh unit God, you're so smart. For our bedroom. Good. And my wife, Courtney, was like, we will never use this. And you know what? This this heat wave, I kept cool in the breezes of vindication. <laughs> in your face, Courtney. Courtney eats crow. Mm-mm. As soon as we were done with the heat wave, Paul was immediately like, so we're ordering an air conditioner, right? I was like, yes. A hundred Because this is going to be... Every summer from now on. Yeah. This is climate change. It's just going to be here forever. Yeah. It was terrible. Um, I was sleeping at night. I, I froze a bunch of water bottles to like give to my cats to cuddle up against, which worked well. But then at night, I just like had them in my armpits and like all over my naked body just covered. The cats? <laughs> no. <laughs> the bottles of ice. I was just sleeping in a blanket of ice. I was like, ugh. <laughs> and then on the last day of the heat wave, when it finally started to go away... I actually went outside, like, as soon as the temperature got down to, like, 85 outside, mm-hmm. took off all my clothes, nice. and just laid around on my back deck going, uh, <laughs> eating ice cream and listening to 1920s music, which was the only thing I had the energy to do. So we had River up in the bedroom with us, because that's the only place in the, in the house that was cold at yeah. night. And so... I would wake up in the middle of the night and River has figured out that Courtney will make room for her on her side of the bed and I will not. So I wake up in the middle of the night and Courtney is curled up in a ball and River is splayed out, spread eagle, belly up. What a bad dog. Like trying to get as much air conditioning onto her as possible. Let's talk about this episode we watched, which was episode 13 of Swan's Crossing. Because there was some weird stuff going on in this one. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited to talk about it. Oh, me too. Okay, well, we got to go over your predictions from last week first, which here they are. 
First of all, you predicted there would be way less Mila Sidney and Garrett action. That was not true. You predicted the person who was off screen in the shop would be one of the Baldies or an FBI guy. Also not true. Oh. Oh, wait, what? Okay. Uh, You figured there would be some sort of beginning of the investigation with the FBI guys there. Also, okay, okay. Uh, You figured we'd be back to JT and Neil and Glory at JT's house working on something physical for UB2B. That didn't happen. Nope. You figured Glory would try to get JT's attention and Neil would cock block yet again. Glory was not in this episode at all. Yeah. Missed out on Glory and that glorious hair. Ah, So sad. Uh, You figured there'd be prep for baseball practice, but no actual baseball practice. You were right. Crushed it. Crushed it. No Nancy, you crushed that too. I'm sad there was no Nancy. And nothing at the soda shop. Also correct about that. You're like 50-50 on this one. That's that's as well as I've ever done. Well done, sir. (laughs) Well, we open on Owen and Sandy jamming on a new song. Owen and Sandy did not make it into the predictions at all. (laughs) They should have been because there was a lot of Owen and Sandy action in this one. I wouldn't say action. There was a lot of Owen and Sandy doing the same thing spaced out over 20 minutes. (laughs) Yes. But yeah, so for some reason, I don't know if you noticed this, but Owen has tennis shoes just hung from like his music stand slash Casio prop. Uh, I guess because the set decorators thought tennis shoes equals teenagers. I did not notice that at all. I was I was very I think caught up in figuring out when the the music that was happening would sync up with what was going on on screen, <laughs> as I usually <laughs> am. And it did sort of eventually. Not not ever with Owen's playing, but with Sandy's singing. There was an attempt to match what we were seeing with what we were hearing. Yes. And for that, I'm grateful. I know you've done a lot of musical theater. Did you ever play an instrument? I tried to play piano for a while. I am, I, I've had years and years of voice lessons, but no, uh, no real instrument lessons to speak of, per se. So okay. No. So you don't know how ridiculous it is that someone would hang heavy objects from their music stand. I don't. It is pretty really. ridiculous. Okay. <laughs> Just FYI. <laughs> anyway, um, Sandy comments that it's great that they're working on their own songs instead of the crap the Countess made them play at the party. I'm trying to think <laughs> back to what was played at the party. It was mostly Owen and Sandy's songs. That's what I thought. <laughs> At mention of the party, Owen almost slips into another reverie about Mila. Then he plays a kick on the drums, and Sandy asks him where his other drumstick is. He plays a kick on the drums with one drumstick. No, he has two drumsticks. Because at first I was like, how ridiculous that he played a full kick with, with one drumstick. And I re- rewound it. He had two drumsticks in his damn hands. And then when she asks, he only has one? Yes. So, like, he dropped a stick, and then he holds up just one stick. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? (laughs) So Continuity is not the strong suit. No, it was not a priority on this set. So Owen remembers the moment when he gave Mila his stick as an IOU, and he tells Sandy that the stick is in good hands. He, flashing back to that scene... He says, cash it in for a singing lesson at my studio to Mila anytime. And the, the way he says anytime really bothers me. <laughs> it is unsettling because it, it, it is so on the border of like sexual and predatory. <laughs> like it is somewhere, and this is like a 12 year old, is what it feels like. It is so weird. It is very weird. <sighs> uh, so they go back to rehearsing. 
And the music and singing picks up before the actors are ready for it, mm-hmm. so it becomes really apparent that they're lip syncing. It is, it is the actress who plays Sandy and the actor who plays Owen, actually. Like, there's a recording of their real voices singing, so. Yeah. And then we cut to the Baldy. Yes. On the phone. It's the first time that we've seen the front of one of these guys' faces. He's into the phone. He's saying, there's no record of Professor Van at Swan's Crossing. It's a very delicate operation. <laughs> he grabs a clipboard. And there's a fo- There's a shadow of a spinning ceiling fan on the wall behind him. It is obviously very hot where he is. So why is he wearing a turtleneck? <laughs> Turtlenecks are mysterious. He says, we watch carefully. We wait extremely patiently. And then... We grab him, and he makes a fist as if he's seizing something, like perhaps a tiny professor who's floating in the air. I, this is the moment at which I realized that the Baldies only exist to be some sort of shadowy threat that are never actually going to get involved in the story. There's, this, this is only going to be a hook ever. (laughs) <laughs> Never will we see the Baldies in a scene with any other character from Swan's Crossing. I'm putting it down. That's one of my predictions okay. for the show. Well, we cut to Neil and JT in JT's room, where JT is exhorting Neil to shut up about Professor Van for ten damn seconds. Please, Neil. Neil will not shut up. No. Nope. <laughs> Neil will never shut up. <laughs> JT reminds him that they need to go to practice for the upcoming baseball game. Neil says, let's take a vote among two people. <laughs> Each of whom want opposite things. Yes. I also <laughs> want to point out that this scene ends 30 seconds after it begins. They walk into the room. They talk about... They have this conversation and then they leave the room. They don't get anything in this room. They have no reason for coming into this room whatsoever other than to have the scene there. It's great direction. It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> they are both wearing baseball clothes. So... Neil knows it's time for baseball practice. Yes, he does. And and he asks, he's like, JT, why are you so wired? Because Garrett's pitching. JT looks stricken. Yeah. Uh, The pitching issue comes up again. However, JT says that he just wants to destroy Newport. That's his his key focus here. Neil Mm -hmm. finally relents, but he extracts from JT a promise that next week... They will focus solely on their project without any interference or distractions. Did you play Little League as a child? No, I played softball briefly. Okay. To me, as as an outfielder who was not particularly good at baseball, which is why I was put in the outfield, (laughs) the, the, the reason to be pitcher is because you're always doing something. Probably. It is... The best Little League position because you are constantly getting to play and things are constantly riding on you. Every other position, comparatively, sucks. I believe you, and you know what? Pitcher sucked too, because that's what I played. And the only reason I played pitcher was not because I was a good pitcher. It was because I was just about as tall then in fourth grade as I am now, which is five foot eleven. So I was huge. I was a giant child. I scared people with my hugeness. And um, I think maybe I had more muscle mass than the other kids just because of my size. So I could throw a ball real hard, but I could not throw it accurately. (laughs) Oh my gosh. How many batteries did you hit? A lot. A lot of batteries. (laughs) So was it like fast fast pitch? Uh, I think so. It must have been. I don't remember. I'm bad at all sports, and my mother forced me to play all the sports, and it was terrible. It was a bad experience. Oh. I was also very popular in basketball. Again, the only thing they trotted me out for was to win tip-offs. 
There you go. Because I could just reach up and just reach <laughs> way above all the other girls and be like, got it. <laughs> I'm done. Take me off the court. <laughs> Excellent. I didn't even need to jump. It was great. Anywho, <laughs> we cut to the tool and die where Fats asks Callie if Jimmy took off for the day. She says he's gone home to rest his injured shoulder and Fats is like, great. Well, we've got a new crew member anyway. Tells Callie to take five so she can meet their new gearhead. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, Lord. So the camera pans to behind Callie, where we see a new person standing, a fully grown adult man with shaggy hair, wearing a leather jacket and a smirk. Minimum 30s. Minimum. Minimum 30s. <laughs> At least. I mean, mid to late 30s. Could be 40s. For sure, a man. Mm-hmm. No, no way is this guy of an appropriate age to be interacting with teenagers the way he does. Yeah. Fats introduces him as Barrick. He looks Callie up and down and she stares back at him in a way that's unintentionally sexually charged. Extremely so. My God, it it feels like Barrick and Callie want to bone each other. Immediately. It is like (laughs) on a motorcycle right now. So porny. And I know this was not intentional on the actor's part. I think it was just bad direction. Yeah. Anyway. She asks Barrick if he only comes with one name, and he says, Just one for you to remember, boss. So weird. So gross. It's so weird. Fortunately, we cut away. Yes. Thank God. We're in the pool where Mila spitting water all over Garrett again. Garrett manhandles her in retaliation, which is totally just an attempt to accidentally touch a boob. Right. Can we talk for a second, though, about spitting pool water? Because <laughs> that's nasty. <laughs> That's nasty. You're essentially, like, you've just made a stew of yourself and everyone else in the pool. And you know, like, kids have peed in that oh, pool. Definitely. It's so gross. Definitely. Like, <sighs> that water's running all up and down your crack. It's ah, just... It, uh, it, it's... Ugh. So gross. I always hated swimming in public pools because of that. I was always like, I don't want to swim in everyone's soup. It's disgusting. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, they're getting flirty. They're getting manhandly. And Sydney sees it, comes over to the edge of the pool, leans over and says, I was in the neighborhood. I thought I might join you for a swim. Garrett pops out of the water and spits water in her face. Again, gross. Very gross. And Sydney looks pissed. And just so we, to really drive home the point, the Sydney's pissed theme music plays in the background, which is... She looks mortified by what has happened to her. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's a silk shirt she's wearing, so now it's ruined. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, go for it. Cut back to the studio. Sandy is surrounded by discarded, wadded-up sheets of paper that she's been working on her lyrics uh, on. And she seems to be working on lyrics and melody while Owen is on drums. A great combination, I think, for figuring out the melody of your song. It's exactly what you want to use for the melody percussion. I would like to point out at this point, Sandy looks very put together and cute. Owen is wearing a t-shirt with a Gila monster on it. <laughs> that's kind of though, like... That's that's <laughs> Owen's M.O. That's, well, that's what we first saw him in pretty yeah. much, like a gecko shirt. I guess Owen's really into lizards. <laughs> Just, oh man, loves those lizards. Into that reptile life. Yeah, it is way less loud than the first thing that it, we saw him. It is. Wearing. He's toned it down a little bit. This is his casual look. Yeah. That is all we're there for. I mean, the one thing that I will say about this particular episode is it is paced very well. We are never in one scene for more than like two minutes. It's just like boom, 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 boom. 
scene after scene. That's true, although many times when we appear in scenes, there is absolutely no reason for us to be there. Well, there's nothing happening, but that that has never stopped this show from doing its thing. Yeah, like in this scene, it's literally just Sandy scribbling on a piece of paper, Owen tinking away on the hi-hat, and then that's it. Yep. Nothing happens. Yep. Cut back to the shop. Callie seems to be polishing the end of the front axle of an actual motorcycle. This is the first actual motorcycle we've seen in the show. Yes. Uh, with a toothbrush. With a toothbrush. She's working on it with a tiny little toothbrush. Two boots come into the camera and you hear Beric say, Don't forget the mud flaps. <laughs> it is a strangely like Cinderella kind of look. Like, Callie, Callie looks like she's been toothbrushing this motorcycle. for The motorcycle is 100% clean, by the way. I oh, think yeah. We didn't mention that earlier. It is spotless. It's gorgeous. Callie makes some snarky comment under her breath. Barrett gets sassy in return. And Callie covers it for it by saying, Oh, have you been riding around in swamps? This is the point, as this conversation goes on, this is the point where Beric starts to get exposition about the town, such as the walkers live on a submarine, and seems to just sort of take everything in stride. <laughs> Which is, to me, the most unrealistic thing that has happened so far on this show. <laughs> he yeah. just responds like, oh, submarine, okay. <laughs> very laid back yeah. about how utterly weird this entire town is. What's your family into? Migrating whales? Sonar tracking? And then Callie responds deadpan, eels. I don't know why that line cracked me up so hard, but every time I've seen this episode I've been like, ah, eels! I, I do not know why. Callie points out that Beric asks a lot of questions, and he says, I've always ridden on the outside edge myself, and I like people who do the same. Callie's back is turned to him, but he's looking at her in a way that implies he likes Callie. Like, in a way an adult should not like a minor. I wanna I wanna point out that this is the most uncomfortable stacked two shot I have ever seen in my life. Like he is right up behind her. It is so weird. It is profoundly uncomfortable. I want to push this adult man out of this child's personal bubble. Like get back. What are you doing, sir? So weird. Beric asks about Jimmy, and Callie's like, oh, you'll like Jimmy. And then he creeps up on her even more and says, oh, you think you know me well enough to know what I like? Oh. Dude, what is going on? Oh, God. Uh, it's like, things are looking good around here. You even did a good job on my wheels. And she's like, I think you were testing me. And he goes, I am. Oh, it's so creepy. And then he like, totally like, up yes. and down scans her. Like, oh, sir. He straight up ogles her. <laughs> I don't know why I just blanked myself for the word I and not the word fuck. <laughs> it's been a long, long pandemic. Oh my gosh. Anyway, Beric is creepy as fuck. So back at the pool, Mila puts on a cover up over her tiny gold bikini and says to Sydney that she's going to go get her a towel. Yeah. Because remember, Sydney is all wet now. Yeah. Garrett's Except like, she's not. Yeah. She's 100% dry in this Bone shower. dry. Yeah. <laughs> Garrett's like, I really didn't see you. And, I, and like, you know, like he didn't realize he was about to douche her directly in the face with chlorinated water <laughs> and saliva. <laughs> so he's like, I really didn't see you there. And Sydney answers pointedly, I know. <laughs> but yeah, there is Sydney, not a speck of water on her. She is dry as the yeah. Sahara. Mila gets paged by the house phone, which is hilarious to me. Yes. And then there's this long pause as Mila leaves before Sydney goes, Swimming lessons! 
she like immediately commands them to look like they're not talking because her mom's friends are all over the place. So they turn their backs to each other and stand back to back, like physically touching, leaning against each other's backs so they can talk to each other. This is not how you make it look like you're not talking. This is so good. It's so good. Like it's so like children, children who think that they are way more the focus and center of attention than they are. Right? Like, this is how your life is when you're, like, 12 to 15. Sydney's like, this is getting dangerous. And Garrett says, I don't understand this line. He's like, we were just taking a break. And I don't know if he's referring to his secret relationship with Sydney or if he and Mila were taking a break in their swimming lessons to, like, horse around. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't, I actually did not take notes on that section because I did not understand what was being said. Yeah, you're not alone. All. So he asks Sydney, what was she doing in the neighborhood anyway? And they go into this whole thing about how Mila's their decoy. But Garrett insists that Mila really does need swimming lessons. Like she's going to drown again, you know. They do live in a coastal town. They do. It's a, it's a real danger. And Sydney yeah. says, it didn't look like lessons to me. So they can't stand the drama anymore. And they turn back to face each other in defiance of the Argus-eyed network of Muffy Rutledge's friends. And Sydney tells <laughs> him. Can you just repeat that again, please? Because I, I, I would like to I would like to bask in the glory of your professional word person-ness. <laughs> the Argus-eyed network of Muffy Rutledge's friends. <laughs> so good. <laughs> Thank you. Sydney tells him, you like being with her. And Garrett says, I'd rather be with you. And Sydney's like... I hate this. Yeah, I can understand why. This was your idea, Sydney. It's totally a bad idea from the start, but yeah. okay. So Mila swings up. She's like, oh, my mom's gonna come have lunch with me at the club. And then she asks Sydney to stay and do lunch with her so she can like buffer Mila from her mom's wrath post-party. Right, Mila still has not talked to her mother since the party. Right. Last night? I think it was last night, yeah. It feels like an eternity ago because every episode of Swan's Crossing, every 20 minute episode of Swan's Crossing feels like an eternity. <laughs> So Sydney stays near Garrett just long enough for him to say, three o'clock, plan B, and then they part ways. Uh, we're back to the studio. Sandy and Owen are uh, singing a snippet of their song for like 20 seconds, and then they fade to commercial. That is literally all that moment is. That's it. That's it. There's a lot of Owen and Sandy in this episode oh and gosh. nothing happens with them. Yeah. It's incredible. Back to the tool and die. Yes. Uh, JT pokes his head into the set as if waiting for his cue from the director, apparently gets the cue, <laughs> and he and Neil saunter in casually. Oh, there's and there's a really good like line flub in this episode too. Uh, we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, they're looking for Saja apparently and Neil asks if Saja walks around with a portable black hole in his pocket, I guess implying that Saja can bend space time via a wormhole. Right. JT yeah. says the black hole is in his head. And uh, Neil's description of the tool and die as a prehistoric combustion museum uh, is really one of my favorite descriptions ever of a mechanics shop. <laughs> is really good. I also have to note, I had a notation I made on Saja at this point, even though he's not in this episode, but I said, uh, on the fence about whether I love or hate Saja as a character, he's really annoying and the writers depicted him in a super racist way, but also he does love to get high and he really likes hot dogs. So I feel like he and I have a lot of things in common. <laughs> so, you know. Right. So uh, Barrick appears out of nowhere, asking the boys if they can do better when it comes to combustion engines. They're, they're slack-jawed. Like, literally both of their... <laughs> it's like, it's a man! 
<laughs> Callie pops up from behind a motorcycle, talks to the boys about Saja, and they're trying to find him to be sure he gets to practice on time because he has to cover third base since Jimmy is out with his shoulder injury. Neil, at some point in this, calls him the Mystic Warrior, <laughs> and Beric asks if they've really got one of those here in Swan's Crossing, a Mystic Warrior. And they explain about Saja's phases that he's gone through, including, and this is this is where I get real excited, the Conjurer, which yeah. we've already talked about, Super Sleuth Sullivan. I want to know that. And Captain Twilight. What is Captain Twilight? I need a whole sub-series about Saja's ex- adventures as Captain Twilight. Oh, man. Um, you know, we were talking about how we need a spinoff that's Jazz and Nancy just ripping on everybody. Right. And the in warlock. The uh, yeah. Who's, who's the Jimmy, dad is the warlock? Jimmy is a warlock. Right. Um, so I, I feel like Jimmy's warlock powers and Captain Twilight, I feel like that is the arch nemesis scenario from which we build the Captain Twilight TV series. I think, like, I think this idea has legs. I think we should talk about it more. Okay. Okay. Excellent. All right. Where were we? <laughs> they ask who Beric is, and he explains that Fats is out riding. Finally. Finally, Fats, who spent that whole monologue with his back to the camera talking about how much he wanted to ride, is finally getting to do it. <laughs> Thank goodness. And uh, so so Beric is taking over as boss while Fats is out doing this. And JT's like, man, there's nothing like saving the world on two wheels. And then Neil goes on this rave about how it would be so much better if you could just experience virtual reality via satellite. And everybody's like, Neil, shut up. <laughs> What is wrong with you? And uh, the conversation eventually leads into deep waters where Neil and JT spill a whole bunch of secrets about Professor Van stuff. Or more to the point, Neil spills information like a goddamn sib about everything. Uh, He almost gives away the rocketry project, which JT like constantly keeps saving him from by bringing up, bringing the conversation back around to baseball. Right. Uh, Which we find out Beric was in the minors. Who knows? We don't actually know if anything this man says is true. We don't know anything about Beric except that he's a creep. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is one thing he has demonstrated through action. Yes. So JT asks Beric to come watch the big baseball game that weekend. Callie says, oh yeah, I'm thinking of going too. And Beric says to her in a very sexual way that she has to ask for the day off because the shop is so fucking busy. Like literally the only bike in the place is Beric's. So yep. I don't know what's going on here. JT is like, well, the game's super important because the whole town's going to be there and the mayor's going to make some kind of big announcement. What is this big announcement? Oh my God, you'll have to wait and find out. I cannot wait. Beric comments aggressively that Neil knows everything that's going on in town. Neil gratifies him by continuing to spill his guts about the various frauds and schemes he has uncovered. Dear listeners, I cannot express to you how long this goes on. <laughs> there, It seems like an eternity of JT and Neil trying to convince Beric that they know more about Swan's Crossing than anyone else in town. For what feels like ages. We do get the we get the we do get a rehash of the story in which the town swans were spray painted, among many other things. Oh yeah. So there are Grant Booth's shady investments 
He also purchased a fancy polo pony during a period when he had negative cash flow. Sounds like the New York Attorney General might be investigating Grant Booth soon, too. Ooh, political. Current event reference, thank you. Yeah, so Callie also throughout this keeps giving the boys these looks like, you guys are idiots, like you should shut your mouths. Don't talk to strangers about stuff. And they're not picking up what she's putting down. The boys have this wonderful exchange about Mila being a TV star. It is funny to me because this is all like soap opera production lingo which two nerdy teenage boys in the 90s wouldn't know about at all. So we're getting a little peek behind the curtain at the inner lives of the writers. It goes like this. Barrick, Countess, Neil, and her daughter's a TV star. JT, was. Neil, still in reruns. JT, limited market. Neil, great time slot. Not things teenage boys care about. Nope, nope, can't <laughs> confirm. As, as a former teenage boy myself, <laughs> never once cared about these things. Uh, so Barrick asks if there actually was someone named Swan who founded the town. JT says the original Swan actually hissed through his teeth. I don't know what is going on with this writing. It is a poorly written scene, to say the least. Fortunately, we cut back to the studio where Sandy and Owen are performing. And this is my favorite moment of the show because Garrett appears out of nowhere. Does. He's in, in his, his baseball uniform. In his baseball uniform. Just like <laughs> walks into shot. <laughs> Like, there isn't a front door on this place. <laughs> Apparently they didn't notice him wandering around in, like, the garage or the carriage house or wherever, wherever the studio <laughs> the is located. The carriage house? The rich people. Come on. Right, right. <laughs> the carriage house. Garrett just says, nice song, but you need someone to sell it. Sandy's, like, not having any of his shit. She kind of folds her arms and stares off into space, like, refusing to look at Garrett. I think Sandy's the only person in this town who understands what Garrett Booth is. Right. And the people that he lists are really, like, a treasure trove of 90s oh, yeah. uh, pop culture icons. We got Paula Abdul, Janet Jackson, and Madonna. It's a real who's who of 90s oh, pop. So good. She seems upset. She leaves. And Garrett is there to remind Owen about practice. Yeah. And Owen's like, oh, we're working on a song. Garrett's like, well, come over when you're done and bring your catcher's mask. Owen asks why. And Would they... Owen not normally bring his catcher's mask if he's playing catcher? Well, yeah. And then also he says, JT never hit me in the face. Well, like, first of all, it doesn't matter. You wear your catcher's mask anyway. And then Garrett says, JT's not going to be on the mound Friday. I am. So I guess Garrett just told on himself that he's a bad pitcher who's highly likely to clobber the catcher in the pie hole with a pitch. Right. Good. Right. <laughs> Sandy comes back wearing said catcher's mask. I love this part. And she's like, she's got her depress depression voice on. And she goes, is this better? <laughs> and Owen, really not reading the situation, goes, you look good in the mask. Owen is such, oh, come on, Owen, get it together. Sandy is almost weeping, and she's like, anyone could be under here. <laughs> Maybe if they don't see me, they'll think I'm better. Aww. So she's delivering this line straight to camera, like <clears throat> moping inside her catcher's mask, and it is hilarious, like unintentionally hilarious. Sandy has clearly entered the depressive phase of her bipolar disorder. God, this poor girl needs medication. Her family needs to give her the help she deserves. Seriously. It's very sad, but, but like- they're so poor. <laughs> I know. But her like looking straight to camera being sad through a catcher's mask is the, my favorite thing. <laughs> Uh, uh. We cut back to the tool and die shop. JT and Neil are still talking about all the stuff that they know. This is this is where we get the rehash of the Swans story. Where oh we yeah, find out it was uh, Captain Walker and Grant Booth and JT's dad. 
who spray painted swans? Well, interestingly, they never mention Captain Walker. They mention it, it's like Muffy and the Countess and and Grant Booth and uh, JT's dad. Those are the only ones that are mentioned, but there's a pause in there as someone's kind of going, like JT kind of forgot someone in his list of people he was supposed to mention. And then Callie goes, my father? <laughs> as if JT mentioned her father. But he didn't. That's what that is. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I was like, because I, I was like, I don't remember him saying Captain Walker. Yeah, he didn't. For some reason, the director did not think that it would be smart Maybe to cut should... that one and take it again. Yeah, just just do it again. One more, one more again? Yeah. <laughs> nope. <laughs> So Neil's like, hey, maybe Callie knows why the captain mysteriously disappeared for 15 years, but she's, like, not saying anything about it. And Barrick's like, maybe this town still has a few mysteries. Subtle, Barrick. Very subtle. We've got this glorious line flub as Neil is trying to explain how Sydney thought Garrett was exploded to death by a rocket. Which is really amazing. Like, he starts the line and gets, like, two, two or three words in and just, like, just starts over. It's great. And then uh, Barrick smells blood in the water and he's like, you kids play with rockets? And the boys immediately say no. Barrick's like, I'm not a cop. You can tell me. Like, really? Hey kids, do you know anybody who sells drugs? <laughs> you can tell me I'm not a cop. Hello, fellow youths. <laughs> he's totally not 21 jump streeting this. Yeah. Uh, Neil is about to say they don't play with rockets as if to, to say that it's serious work. Before he can just come right out and tell Barrick that they're Professor Van, Garrett shows up to round them up for practice. And this is my favorite line in the show. It's JT seeing Garrett immediately says, it's the Walking Dead Swans Crossing's own human hologram. What? Nice burn, JT. Sick burn. Crushed it. Garrett faces up to Barrick more suavely than JT and Neil did. He shakes his hand and introduces himself as Garrett Bruth, which again, not taken again. Did not cut, did not retake that. We're just rolling with Garrett Bruth. Barrick says, oh, I've heard a lot about you. And Garrett kind of looks back at the other boys and is like, from them? And then he says, it's not worth the air it's breathed on. Not a thing anyone says. I also noted Garrett has locked eyes with Barrick and is not blinking for this entire scene. Like, he is staring Barrick down. I know what you're here for, Barrick. Yeah, it's weird. Stay away from the girls of this right. town. <laughs> yeah, I all, own all of them. It belongs to Garrett Booth. <laughs> Soulless shark eyes of the Booth clan. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, so everybody finally goes their separate ways. Callie gives Barrick a look that I think is supposed to be smart and all-seeing, like she sees through his disguises and knows that he's not who he seems to be. Instead, comes across like Callie wants to kiss him. Very uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. Then, then we think we're going to the baseball practice, but we are wrong because we cut to a park and a handheld camera. Very, like, natural lighting. And natural, natural in the sense that they shot this outside in actual lighting and could not actually get the lighting that they needed. <laughs> the lighting is so bad. <laughs> and it's Sydney and Garrett talking about how they can't meet anywhere. They couldn't meet in the car because that's plan B and Ralph needed the car. Um, they're holding hands, too. They're walking through this park just straight up holding hands. How intimate. It's a public park. If you guys are so worried about people seeing you holding hands, why are you holding hands? What, what are you doing? Uh. What are you doing? <laughs> um, so they're trying to come up with a new secret meeting spot. And I'm sorry, I just don't, I don't even know how to parse this scene. Like, it, it's just, it's another rehash of how they can't be together because Muffy hates the booths. 
and she would like they would both be in a lot of trouble. Yeah, it's just it just goes on and on forever and they're like, "Oh, we got to find some place where we can make out in privacy or whatever." Garrett kind of forces no Sydney, sorry. Sydney like corners Garrett into saying that he wants to see her all the time and she's like, "Me too." and begins stroking his arms, which like again, if you're trying to keep your horniness for each other secret, this is not the best way to go about it. It's really difficult to keep your horniness for each other's secret. It is. Also, um, in this scene, you can totally see the shadow of the camera operator on Sydney's shirt. I didn't notice that! That's I'm like, awesome. I'm I like, there that. he is. I see him. And <laughs> the one, there are two things that I want to want to just discuss in this scene. One is that Garrett brings up the fact that Mila also has feelings and that if they keep using her, she's going to get hurt. And I was like, did Garrett Booth just display empathy? It's shocking. This is such a departure from his show Bible. It is. <laughs> you it, know what it, I mean? was, it was it was it was a weird uh, it was disorienting. And then the other thing is that uh, Garrett says that they don't have much time because once his dad gets his business straightened out, he's on his next flight back to France. I would like to again reiterate that at no point have we seen Garrett helping his dad with the business. The only thing that I can think of that's keeping Garrett from this school in France that he goes to is that his dad literally doesn't have enough money right now. Yeah, I mean, I think that's literally it. There's no other reason that Garrett is here other than his dad can't pay tuition. Right. Oh, it's so crazy. Also, in this scene, which is hilarious to me, Sydney's like... My mother would ground me in the most dramatic way possible. And also she tells Garrett that if they're seen together, he'll get his mini bike taken away, which like they play, they say these two things like they are the worst possible consequences that could ever happen, which is so funny to me because it's not like they're going to get cut out of the family inheritance. You know, it's like you might get grounded and you might not be able to ride your mini bike around for the rest of the summer. Like, oh, no. When you're 15, (laughs) the family inheritance is so far away. And a mini bike, like, I would have killed for a mini bike when I was that age. Are you kidding me? Oh, God. Like, independence in a way that you've never experienced as a child. That's true. That's true. Oh, yeah. it, it's just so funny, though, that, that they they <clears throat> deliver oh. those lines as if they are the highest stakes of imaginable. Course of course they are. So um, Garrett tells Sydney to prove that she wants to spend time with him. And he says, remember our deal? We get a flashback to that scene in the car where they were drawing up the cucking contract. And Garrett insisted that when the time was right, Sydney would stand up to her mother and be seen with him. It's point number 11. Point I just want to... Yeah, thank very you. very important that we keep these in order. Right, right. Well, Garrett calls it in. He says, it's time. Sydney agrees. She will talk to her mom. He says she has to do it right after the Newport game. Walk onto the field, grab his hand, walk over to Swans with the other kids. And Sydney agrees to do it, but only if their team wins the game. There's a very cuddly almost kiss. Yes, almost. And then... (laughs) Then the same damn Owen and Sandy song plays that has been haunting us all episode long. The camera cuts to Callie, who's just chilling in the park looking mildly disturbed. Because maybe she realizes that her new boss is creeping on her. And then we cut to Sydney, pensive, also in the park. I should note, too, she stops again to lean against a tree, which is, I think she's done like five or six times throughout her previous scene. She just keeps leaning. Every tree she sees, she leans on it. As an actor, having a physical thing to sort of ground you, it can be very helpful. So I understand this instinct. Totally. What I don't understand is the editing choice to use every (laughs) single one of them. Right. <laughs> but there, the camera lingers on her for a very long time. And then we cut to Garrett walking through the same park, one can assume. 
and credits. Yeah, well, before right before he credits, tosses a, he tosses a rock or something. He, I, he, I think he's miming throwing a baseball because he does it a few times and then credits. It's such a weird way to end the show. Mm-hmm. It's definitely not the cliffhanger we've come to expect from the normal endings of Swan's Crossing. I feel like maybe we should have saved the Baldy scene for the end of this episode. Yeah, or at least ended on that thing of Sydney leaning against the tree looking really disturbed. Like yeah. maybe that would be better. But they've, mm. they've ended a lot of episodes on Sydney staring into the distance looking really disturbed. That's so. true. That's true. Anyway, that's it. That's this episode. Yeah. So, um... Psychopath of the week, gotta be Barrick. Go a hundred thousand percent. What are you doing, sir? Yeah. You are a grown ass man. Get out of here. Please leave these children alone. Hey, fun fact: zero new swans. Zero swans. Zero we didn't. Swans. We didn't even get the credits in this one. There's it's just so weird. I kept expecting the uh, theme song to pop up, and nothing. Nothing. It didn't no even swans. happen at the end. So sad. Uh, so we are still at uh, one imaginary swan. 24 actual swans, and 45 other swans. Excellent. Uh, Your predictions for next week. Okay. I'm starting to think we're never going to see a baseball practice. Because they couldn't fit it into the studio. And their lighting is so bad outside. So I don't think we ever go to the baseball practice. Um, I think that next episode, uh, we're going to focus a lot on Gloria and JT. Uh, I think it's post-baseball practice, pre-game. Like, I think we're coming up to the game. Because, we, we God forbid, we skip days in this show. Got, I mean, I would really like a, I want a timeline of, like, how many days, how many episodes per day of, of showtime there are. That would be something interesting to track. Knowing you, you're probably going to go back and do it. I might. <laughs> um, so uh, lots of lots of JT, Neil, and Glory next episode. Um, JT trying to fit in some work before the big game. Or excuse me, Neil trying to fit in some work before the big game, not JT. I think we're going to get a lot more Mila next episode. Um, I think there's probably a lot of conversation about the big game uh, what what does Mila what does Mila think about the big game? I think Mila is interested because it is a it is a normal thing. Normal kids do baseball stuff, so she's excited about the game and getting to come and cheer on the team. I hope there's a lot less Barack Barrick. <laughs> I have it spelled like Barack Obama. Barack Obama. Barack Obama. Ermager. I maybe maybe if we do get some Barrick. Uh, he is on a phone call, and this is where we discover that he's an FBI agent. Saja, something happens with Saja. I don't know what. I think we get. I think we get at least one scene with Jimmy where he's still in the sling and is really bummed out that he can't be in the game. Okay, well, we shall see. You notice I didn't say anything about Garrett and Sydney, mostly because I don't care. <laughs> I care about every other character in this show but Garrett and Sydney. <laughs> oh, you will care. There is a line coming up, like, I don't know, three maybe episodes from now. I can't wait to see how you react to it. <laughs> I just, I, it's when so we good. started this, you knew Barrick was coming, and you did this to me anyway. <laughs> Nathan, I got news for you. Something worse than Barrick is coming. No! <laughs> It takes a while to get there, but it's worse. Oh gosh. Yeah. Oh. Um. Yeah. Oh. 
Oh, Barrick. Barrick, we hate you. You're disgusting and horrid. Um, but if you also feel that Barrick is disgusting, di- disgusting and horrid... <laughs> Do you want to take that again, or do you want to use no, that No, I'm leaving it in just like the director did in, the, in this episode, Garrett Bruth. Then you should get get at us on the social medias. We are uh, on Twitter, at GottaGrowUpPod, and on Instagram, at SwansCrossPod. And finally, like guys, the last couple of weeks, I have been very, very busy with my big professional conference that happens once every other year. So um, I stopped making my beautiful gifts. I am going to be back at it. So you can jump on the Instagrams and find more wonderful moments to share with your friends from Swans Crossing. I have also been very busy the last couple weeks putting a show together for our theater, which is reopening due to COVID. It's back! But that doesn't matter to you, mostly because Libby handles everything on the podcast (laughs) except my talking. I have no life. This is what I do. (laughs) But I think that's for the best for everybody. It probably is. Yeah. Um, Do you want to give a shout out to our music people? Yes, absolutely. Thank you to Richard Winsler and Steve Lane for the use of our theme song, Gotta Grow Up Sometime, from the hit show Swans Crossing. Yes, and uh, until we meet again next week, folks, will you please, please not get molested by adult men in their 30s, no matter how sexy they may appear. It's gross. Don't do it. Bye. Bye. assistant? Yeah, Jimmy Clayton. You like him. Oh, you think you know me well enough to know what I like?